Welcome to Breaking Form, a podcast of poetry and culture. I'm Aaron Smith. And I am James Allen Hall. For those uh, listening for the first time, uh, we do this show in segments. We do literary games. We revisit books that we love. We gossip. We do. We interview. We shade. We laugh. And we are not for everyone. Aaron Smith, how are you? James Allen Hall, I'm well. I've been teaching today, but I can always make time to chat with you. How are you? A little breaking form. A little breaking form. This is, we hoping to give people, we released the trailer and mm-hmm. it went viral. <laughs> only Adele. Only Adele. 14 we had 14 people listen. But I thought it would be fun. And we thought it would be fun if we gave people a little sense of like why we wanted to do this. Um, we want to laugh. We want to talk seriously about work that we love. We have some fun interviews that we have already completed. Mm-hmm. And we also just think it'd be fun just to give people a little flavor of what. Oops. Can't wait to just take my hair down out of the bun, shake it loose, <laughs> right? Have my yes. little Taylor Swift moments. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I thought what would be fun for maybe our first episode, we'll see if this works, but mm-hmm. uh, is to talk about poetry firsts. Like, cool. um, so I'm going to ask you, and maybe I'll I'll share mine too, if, okay. if uh, I re- can remember them. Yes. Uh Tell me the first poem you workshopped or the first impressions of your first workshop. I was in a fiction class with Irene McKinney and she would secretly make us into poets. (laughs) And I wrote this poem called something about I'm out of ketchup or something. And I was trying to write in the voice of this like straight guy. And Irene told me years later, that was when she knew I was gay. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I failed, but I I remember that workshop. What about you? Um, I, my the first poem I ever submitted for workshop was about my mom. It mm. started I and I don't remember my poems very well at yeah. all, but I remember this poem started "Beware of the mother with the gold eyes, the power to melt hearts and make them hers." Uh, first poem you published, and where did you publish it? I was still in graduate school, and it was one of those great moments. I sent it out and to the Pittsburgh Quarterly, and it was called crossing the wood line. And it was about my friend, um, Shane Husher. And I did want to play who said it, Seamus Haney or Shane Husher. <laughs> but- I remember you said that. I was like, who's Shane Husher? <laughs> exactly. So, so that was, yeah, that was my first one, Pittsburgh quarterly. And I, I think I still have that issue somewhere. My first poem was after my MFA. Um, and I published uh, a poem, I think maybe two poems in the James Wright review. And nice. it was like all I ever wanted in my life. And it was yeah. a long time before I published another poem. Wow. Um, and I remember so that journal. It was a great journal. Yeah. It's a great journal. Patrick Merla was the editor. I still remember him. He was so oh, cool. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, first time you got paid for a poem. It was later and that still doesn't happen very often. It was plowshares. I think, um, Terrence Hayes put my poem Fat Ass in Plowshares. And I think that's the first time I got a little check for a poem, I think. That's amazing. I didn't realize Fat Ass appeared in in Plowshares. Yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised that poem was in Plowshares, but it was. <laughs> no, no take, no take backs. Yeah. I love that poem. Uh 
first poet you wish you could have read. Oh, uh, what was your first poem you've been paid for? I, it was an essay. I published an essay called my AIDS in Mm. Bellingham review. And that's in, is that, that's in your book of essays too. It is. Yep. And I think I can't remember what they paid, but I think it was like $50. And again, it was like, I was almost 30 probably when, when that happened. I always buy like the times I've been paid, I will sit, set that money aside and buy something like fun. Like I'll go buy an art book or something. I just think money that comes from that goes back into something, you know, extraordinary for myself. That's amazing. Um, so first time you um, saw your book in a bookstore, do you remember where that was? I was living in New York city when it came out, it was probably St. Mark's. Because I lived in the East Village before St. Mark shut down and they had an amazing poetry section. And, you know, now that I I think about mine, it was probably, I think one of the first readings I did after my book came out uh, was at Brazos Bookstore in Houston, which Mm. I used to work for Mm. um, as their poetry buyer. So it was a really cool, cool little 360. Nice. Nothing as cool as St. Mark's though, by the way. Uh, Although I did love St. Mark's. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the heaven of of bookstores a first poet you met aside from your teacher gerald stern and he came to my undergraduate he was friends with my teacher and he read he was fantastic i I, you know i don't remember a lot because i didn't know a lot but i i look back now and i'm like what a fantastic reading and just what a an important poet so i just feel it's kind of cool to 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 have the perspective now and understand what i got to see and who i got to meet what was your first poet that you met that wasn't your teacher? Uh, it was Barbara Hamby uh, with her first book, Delirium. She came to class and, and read to us and talked to us. And she signed our, her, our books for us. And she had this gold stamp um, mm-hmm. in the shape of a bee. Mm. And it That's was fun. Yeah. And she asked us a question. She was like, how do you want, you know, to, um, do you have a question that I can answer in the book? And I was like, what's the meaning of the universe? And mm-hmm. it's so stupid and like pretentious, uh, which tells yeah, that's me. That's fun. I think that's a fun, I think that's a fun question to ask. And the answer she wrote was that James, the secret of the universe is to open your mouth whenever you feel like it and scream. Mm. Ah, <laughs> it was beautiful. That's I, great. I, I love her poems to this day. Yeah, she's great first poem or poet that woke you up to what poetry is capable of it would be alice walker and i remember she has i i'd found in walden books her collected her blue body everything we know and i carried it around and and she's so daring and it was it made me nervous and there's this really great poem about a three-way and it's so unadored and spare you know, that you can't even hide and there's not a lot of text on the page to hide behind. And I was like, wow, you can be this specific and this open. So yeah, I, I still think so much is moving about some of her poems. That's awesome. For me, it was um, Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And so interesting. I, I, I still love Coleridge to this mm-hmm. day. I think he's um, so strange and, and beautiful. But yeah, The Rime of the Ancient Mariner, my teacher in ninth grade mentioned it as a sort of source for a rush song. I don't even know That's really so rush interesting, yeah. as a band, but yeah, it was really cool. And so I went and found it and read it and, and kind nice. of fell in love with it. Did not understand it. Yeah. That's okay. at all. I uh, think there's magic in that. There are times, you know, encountering Shakespeare, like in high school where I'm like, I have no idea what they're saying, but it's beautiful. 
Yeah. You know, and I feel like it's like, I think there's something about the musicality that, you know, happens in that work or just, or also just knowing that you're getting ready to enter this world and it's like on your terms mm. and you can keep pulling back at it. And it's like your little space and you can love it. And yeah, it's just, I think writing can be very generous whenever you approach it like that. It can be generous back to you if you approach it like that. You know, when you don't have to, when you allow yourself to say, okay, I don't know what this means. I'm, I don't understand it. So I'm just going to listen to mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. and see what that does on an emotional level. Yeah. That was actually sort of my next question was yeah. like, who's a poet or um, that our poem that you discovered that you didn't know what it meant, but like it really kind of blew your hair back. A poet who really blew me away early was Maureen Seaton's The Furious Cooking, Furious Cooking. Mm. And while now I read it and I'm like, oh, it, it's so obvious. Encountering it, it wasn't. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. How, how did she do this? How did she collage this together? How did she use this, this B-movie title? So that book consistently still to this day yields for me. Came yeah. out in 1995. It won the Iowa Poetry Prize, and I still carry it around. I still recommend it. And the poem "L.A. Dream" number two is still one of the most daring poems in contemporary American poetry. That's fabulous. I will I will make a bold statement like that. That I that's what it. we do on Breaking Form. <laughs> we, we we make it bold. We make it bold, and then we change it to italics. <laughs> um, yeah, for me it was Ashbery. I when mm. I encountered Ashbery, I didn't understand what was happening. But like you know, there's a a Sestina where Popeye like flies through the room or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I fucking love that poem, and um, yeah, it just unhooked. Um, emotion from meaning and then hooked it back in a different way. I, I kind of love that. He's a poet that I read. If, if I'm stuck and I don't know what I want to write, I can like read him. And then like, I'm obviously a very different writer than Ashbery as far as like, I'm much more interested in like what's being said. I mean, I'm much more different than Ashbery in many, many ways. I mean, he's <laughs> Ashbery, you know what I mean? But it's like, there's, it's like I can ride that sort of musicality and those weird connections. And it makes me want to write something that is the way I want to write. So I think it's really inspiring. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yay. First reading you saw. That would also be Gerald Stern, where mm. I met, where I met him at that, that, that I believe that's the first reading that I can remember. Terrific, terrific reading. Uh, first time that you were solicited by a journal and did they end up taking the, the piece? Yes, I gave a reading and I read things I could never tell my mother, which is in my first book. And they asked for it and I gave it to them. <laughs> I gave it to them. <laughs> Boy, did you. Yes. Uh, yeah, I remember being solicited for an essay. So when I went to grad school, I had recommended me to um, the nonfiction editor and um, they did not take the essay, which was totally fine. I felt... Um, like it was an honor to be considered. I, I mean, I, I know that's like weird language, very pageanty, but I really did feel like it was a kindness to be considered that way. Well, I got to tell since we, this show is definitely going to have a little bit of shade. I think we ought to go ahead and just give a little shade away. Let me uh, lean in. Yeah. The time that I was solicited, I was at a reading, I was solicited by the poetry editor 
And he said, if I gave him sex, he's just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, he solicited. He said, send me that poem. And I sent it. And then he wrote back, like, I can't use this. Like, he just wanted to have the power of, like, rejecting me because I hung out with people who always would sending to him. So. Oh, my. Yeah, God. it was really, like, a shady thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that happens in poetry, huh? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> obviously, there is nobody <laughs> worth giving sex for to get poetry published only give the sex away if you want to give the sex away <laughs> no nothing nothing right uh mm -mm. first point you wished you could have seen read but they had died already lucille clifton i i oh. legitimately think about that periodically like it's not just yeah. like like it comes up in my mind like Oh, I really wish that I have like all the greats that I've you know been sort of alive when I've been or on the you know on the planet. I'm like, God, I wish I could have seen Lucille Clifton read. Yeah, that's amazing. For me, it was um Paul Monette, mm. yes. whose birthday I share. Um, we're both October 16 Libras. You know, I know that we're I just thought of this. I know that we're a poetry, all well, we're poetry and culture. We should read Becoming a Man again together and discuss it on the show. Maybe for like that. maybe Pride Month. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Maybe book. we'll do I'd a few gay maybe we'll do we'll Becoming a Man and maybe a couple other gay, like you know, or do like a gay, a gay knockout of, of our, one of our games. Ooh, that yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. Fun. Let's write that down. Write it down. Um, first time you called yourself a poet. I'm still waiting. <laughs> what about <laughs> you? I, I feel very weird saying it. Yeah, I do. It feels, um, I don't know, maybe it's growing up working class that it just seems really like non, non specific or non accurate, but I always say I'm a teacher or, um, yeah, I'm just not really comfortable. I think Louise Glick talks about that word. I'd have to look at, it might be in proofs and theory. She might say something about, I love that book. Yeah, I say I do, but I can't remember if she said it. But yeah, I believe there's something in there about that. You said something to me about it once about it being a more of a verb than a noun for her. And I, if I'm wrong, then I'll say that I said that. <laughs> but if she did sure. say that, we'll give um, Louise credit. Yeah, that's that's it's funny. You just said teacher instead of professor. You're a professor at a college. It's very weird for me to say professor too. I say teacher too. Yeah. I there's a lot of working too. class stuff. And I, I feel like there's a, it's like, I, I feel in certain ways, it's so funny that I'll lose credibility with people. If I say that I'm a professor, I, I always feel like when I'm around my family in Indiana and I say I'm a poet, they, they will just like smile and nod at me like, oh, mm -hmm. yes, you are. You're so precious. <laughs> they just don't, I, it doesn't resonate with them. And yet, they, I mean, I think they will go to certain kinds of poetry, you know, especially like Christian verse or mm -hmm. something when they are. <laughs> Helen Steiner Rice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh, but I think we'll look that hot mess up and put it. I am to sure it. that I have had a bowl of Helen Steiner's rice. Sure. Um, well, I find that way go home and like, we have one cousin who's like, mm, you know, like he's, yeah, you know, and we're all like, what's he doing? And they'll sit there and tell us about all this like work that he does that I don't care about. And we'll be like, oh God, that's so cool that he like crawled in the river and fixed a pole, <laughs> you know, like whatever he does. And they never ask what we do. My sister and I, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. great. I'm really oh, happy no. to know that that pole is fixed in the yeah. river, but yeah. Uh, yeah, don't worry. I have an, you know, I have a job too. It's fine. 
Oh, it's funny. I remember my uncle once like was asking my older brother who's straight about his love life. And then he like looked at me and then he looked away. And I said, don't you want to hear about my gay sex life, Uncle Steve? <laughs> the fact that his name is Steve is priceless too. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Really? He was uncomfortable? I can't imagine. <laughs> Madness. I actually think many of my relatives think that queerness and poetry are like, oh, what came first? Do you think he became a poet and that made him gay or is he gay because, right? Like, I don't you I think, think in some ways that I we feel that too? Like, I think there's something about me. Poetry feels very queer to me as well. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I do think it's a queer form. I think it transgresses prose. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the first to say that, but the line breaks and everything's very queer. I certainly feel like I've incorporated silence. I've had to make peace with silence. I've had to feel the charge mm -hmm. of silence. And I think that that's what makes poetry poetry is that that charged silence that is incorporated into the form. I think anytime, I think it's funny when like, you know, liberal straight guys um, uh, have to confront the subject position of straight homophobia mm. and they have to navigate that. Like, yeah. I find that fascinating. It's maybe yeah. not comfortable, but like, it's, it's fascinating for me to see the people who don't, who, who sort of occupy the normative subject position. I yeah. think it's fascinating to watch them be uncomfortable. Well, you like and I live moment in, such, in their life. You and I live in such awkward spaces anyway, that I kind of love an awkward space. I'm like, I get the popcorn out and just watch it right out. <laughs> I love it. I, mean, I I go out in public, I put my body in a, a on an airplane or a bus mm -hmm. and man, like I, you can just see it. Like people are like, don't sit by me. Don't cause I, I'm in a big body for those people who don't. And you're me. usually wearing a tube top. Well, there's that. And, <laughs> and don't forget the Daisy Dukes. Exactly. <laughs> and the mismatched socks. Yes. I really. Yeah. There you um, go. First time you almost lost it in a poetry workshop. I was in a workshop and the poets, I, I wrote a poem that was really important to me about, you know, a major moment in my religious life when I, I believe God turned me to a reprobate mind. It was a really complicated poem. And they were all like, oh gosh, like, yeah, the, the, the narrator's like on his knees. It's like, he's sucking dick. It's like, he's sucking God's dick. Like it was all this stuff. So it was really offensive. And, and the professor even apologize later they're like i i wanted to even call you i felt so bad about your workshop and it was one of those moments you know i don't fault the professor as a professor it's like things happen faster sometimes than you can process it yourself yeah but i sure. wrote a i wrote i wrote a poem the following week where i was like i took a poem to my workshop class and they were homophobic they wanted to keep the gay guy on his knees with dick in his mouth like i literally said <laughs> the gay guy on his knees with dick in his mouth and they were all like oh i just yeah i just did i did it yeah. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, when my, when my dad had a, a stroke and a heart attack, I started writing, he was in a coma for like three months. I started writing about that experience and I was, I was fine. I'm a, you know, I don't, I don't bring stuff to workshop that I don't feel like I can get feedback on. Sure. And, you know, the teacher asked me to read it. I read it and halfway through I could I could feel it. My, my mm -hmm. voice just wouldn't go without yeah. it breaking. Mm -hmm. And my friend um, who's sitting next to me in the workshop just 
picked up where I could not. Mm -hmm. It was one of the sweetest, most beautiful things that that person has ever done. When I've had students who cry, I always thank them. I'm like, thank you so much for trusting us with this. This is, I know it's so vulnerable and thank you for your willingness to let us sit with you. I just like, it is really that they, they, they put this much forward to bring this poem to our space and, and maybe they didn't know it was going to happen, but they still went there. And, and I, I've jumped in and started reading. I've had other students pick up reading. So I just, I don't know. I just appreciate when people, we laugh openly. So sometimes we, we cry openly. We should, right? Yeah. Hey, Aaron. Hey, I'm excited to do this fact check. Um, our first one. Except this is our seven million <laughs> fact check. We have done a lot of fact checking, yes. Yeah. Um, so I want to start off with Barbara Hamby's first book. Uh, it's called Delirium. It won the 1994 Vassar Miller Prize from the University of North Texas Press. And then I didn't, I actually did not know this. It went on to win the 1995 Kate Tufts Prize. And the Norma Farber first book prize. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I mean, but that book is so delicious. It is a delicious delirium. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Oh, you don't like it. You can tell this is our 22nd fact check. (laughs) James is bad. Boo. And then I mention a poem that I love from Alice Walker from it's well i found it in her blue body everything we know earthling poems 1965 to 1990 and the poem is called she said and it's from the collection horses make a landscape look more beautiful i think she is incredible with titles how did i mention that poem i don't even remember oh i was she was the, that was the one that made me like see what poetry could do yeah yeah because it's about a three-way yeah yeah a menage a trois. Wanna... <laughs> um I mentioned that uh, Rush based a song on a Samuel Taylor Coleridge poem. And it's actually, um, they did base a song, but it's on his poem, um, uh, Kubla Khan. Mm. And their song is called Xanadu, which I feel is a little sacrilegious because, of course, I go immediately to Xanadu. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Xanadu is so Xanafab. Um, and Juliana Hatfield re recorded all the Living Newton John songs and like did a tribute album and she sings Xanadu and it's so great. It's fabulous. Yeah. Okay. Um, but so it's actually Iron Maiden that has a song um, based on and called the same title, uh, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, who knew Iron Maiden was going to be a Samuel Taylor Coleridge devotee? Love it. Um, And then I also mentioned an Ashbury poem called Farm Implements and Rutabagas in a Landscape in which which all of it's, yeah, it's hurling through the window. I I wanted to read it in unison with you because um, for everyone, you can see it. You can, we are looking at the same screen. So I was going to read it with you. Oh, I'll do that. She thought I was riffing, so that messed it up. So let's say it together. Okay. okay. Well, James mentions Ashbury's I mentioned, poem. I can't do it. <laughs> Farm impl- just read it with me. Like the Pledge of Allegiance. Farm implements and rutabagas in a landscape. I can't do it. Why can't I talk with you? <laughs> just How talk and I'll I follow say, you. I'll, I'll just talk. I'll, I'll just, just talk say the whole and, thing. and say the whole thing. And then... And then you, 
at farm Farms. implement, you start saying it too. <laughs> okay. All right. So I mentioned Ashbury's palm, farm, farm implements, implements, and, and rutabagas in, in a landscape, landscape in which Olive, Olive not comes, Popeye, comes hurting through, through the window. window, not Popeye. Not Popeye. The palm, palm appears in the double dream of spring. spring see you did it which i think is a really good title too yeah absolutely yeah um and then i get to give a shout out to one of my favorite formative books i mentioned this one when we talked to denise too furious cooking is a formative book for me so important when the iowa poetry prize paperback came out in 1996 it won the 1995 prize and la dream number two it's just, just that poem. You should go read it. It's just going to make you go, what? Yeah. Amazing. And um, uh, you mentioned Heller Steiner. <laughs> Heller. Helen Steiner. Heller. <laughs> Old Heller. Heller. <laughs> Heller. Somebody took a gun and shot her when she got rabies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Heller Steiner Rice. <laughs> she got shot when she was three. <laughs> Helen, you mentioned Helen Steiner Rice, mm -hmm. and I had no idea who the hell you were mm -hmm. talking about. So I looked her up according to the foundation named after her. Oh, that's the way to do it. Helen Steiner Rice is often referred to as, quote unquote, the poet laureate of inspirational verse. It's really Wouldn't you rather die. <laughs> <laughs> so then I say something about it's a funny. I did have a little bit of pop before we did this, before we did this, and I cannot remember the show that we're fact checking. Like I'm not that high, but I can't remember what I said in in the fact in the show. So oh, I said something. Oh, you asked me when I call. When's the first time I called myself a poet? And yes. I said that I have a hard time doing that, and I referenced something that Louise Glick says, and it is the book Proofs and Theories in her essay Education of the Poet, and she says I use the word writer deliberately poet must be used cautiously it names an aspiration not an occupation in other words not a noun for a passport hey everyone if you like today's breaking form please go to the apple store and review us with five stars uh, follow us on instagram and twitter at breaking form pod and be sure to check the show notes for references and remember we're not for everyone. Oh, I should take my shirt back. Now.